Thank you, Bill. We have been working our way through Romans. We have, uh, Lord willing, only one sermon in Romans left, but uh, this Sunday is uh, we have the joy of ordaining Lou Jolly to be a deacon. And so this is uh, serving as a, an ordination sermon. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that You would uh, use Your Word in the lives of Your people that we might be used by You to be effective in our service for Your kingdom. Lord, we ask that You would cause Your Spirit to uh, rest upon us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear uh, the beautiful uh, things that You are revealing to us in Your Holy Word. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, I can't remember if I've ever told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it. Uh, when I played football in high school, our coach used to tell us to visualize ourselves making the big play. Uh, so he'd tell us to visualize ourselves making the tackle that would, that, uh, would stop a first down or uh, making the big block that would spring the running back for, for a big game. And he would tell us, even when you're laying in bed at night before you go to sleep, visualize yourself doing these kinds of things. Um, yeah, I was a defensive end, and so I was encouraged to see in my mind's eye myself sacking the quarterback or picking up the fumble and uh, rumbling into the, to the end zone for a touchdown. And sure enough, I got my opportunity. Jonathan Bryant, the defensive end on the other side of the line, he sacked the quarterback, but when he hit the quarterback, the ball was jarred loose. And as it fell on the ground, it bounced right over in front of me. And there was nobody else around. And... Um, I was so excited. This opportunity had fallen at my feet. So what I did was I rushed forward to pick up the ball. But as I was rushing forward to pick up the ball, I was also bending down. And as I got the ball in my hands, my foot came forward and kicked the ball out of my hands. <laughs> and so then I panicked and I ran to go pick it up and make sure that I didn't kick it out of my hands again. And as I did, I bent too far forward with my momentum going too fast forward and I tripped and I fell on my face. And there was nobody between me and the end zone. There was nobody close to me. I would have had 20 or 30 yards to rumble toward the end zone and glory in the moment. And I fell on my face. On Monday afternoons, before we would go out to practice, uh, we would watch the game films. And uh, the coach had one of those films, you know, where you hit the, the button and it would rewind and play it, rewind and play it. And so I was just dreading what was going to happen. And sure enough, the coach kept playing it over and over. The team was laughing, but the coach wasn't laughing. He simply said, you missed your opportunity. 
God sends opportunities for you to serve Him. Are you ready for those opportunities when He sends them your way? What will you do when these opportunities fall into your lap or fall at your feet before you? Elisha was given one of these opportunities, one of these God-given opportunities. He was ready. And he did not miss his opportunity. Interestingly, God had set this opportunity for Elisha in motion. Uh, God had set this opportunity in motion before Elisha knew anything about it. And this was a significant opportunity. God was going to call Elisha to succeed Elijah. And Elijah had been the most um, prominent and greatest prophet in Israel at the time. So look at verse 16 in 1 Kings chapter 19. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Now notice here, God did not ask Elisha's permission ahead of time. God called him, and God expected Elisha to follow without any questioning or without hesitation. We're going to be ordaining Lou Jolly this morning as a deacon in our congregation. Lou has been ordained previously in our denomination and would not normally need to be ordained again by us. But Lou was ordained as a ruling elder in another congregation. So he's never been ordained as a deacon in the PCA. He served as a deacon in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, a different denomination, our our kissing cousins we like to say. Um although I don't think I've ever kissed another Orthodox... uh, Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Um, Some people have this idea that there is a hierarchy in the ordained offices and that an elder is... being an elder is more important than being a deacon, deacon. But that is worldly thinking. That's like saying that I'm more important than my wife in my family. You know, you ask all our children, you know, about who's more important after my wife fed them so many meals, changed so many of their diapers, took care of them in so many tender and loving ways. I wouldn't want to ask them who was most important in our family because they would not give me the nod in that direction. But I have been given the God... I have the God-given role of head in my family. I'm responsible to God to lead my family. My wife has a different God-given role. But I would not for one second imagine that I am more important to my family than my wife. I am not saying uh, that this morning to win any points from my wife. She's out of town. She took her mother to St. Simon's Island for a class reunion. She's not here. She won't hear this. Um, but it is true. I have my role. She has her role. 
Each role is equally important. Um, and we are to be faithful to God in the carrying out of our roles. And so likewise, service in Christ's church is not about climbing up some hierarchical pecking order. It's about being faithful in the role that God has given us. So Lou, being ordained as a deacon after having previously been ordained as an elder in our denomination, why would he consent to this? Well, because he was nominated to be a deacon. And more importantly, there was a need. When Lou was examined by our, by our session, he made clear that he was eager to serve the Lord where the Lord had pointed out a need. He didn't give one motive that centered on himself. He only spoke about the need presented to him and his desire to fill that need in his, in his service to his Lord. I appreciate this attitude. And to his probable embarrassment, I am holding him up as an example before us. Because his willingness to serve in this way emulates the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being ready for God's opportunities. And faithfully serving in church is not limited to being ordained. God gives all of His people, from the youngest among us, even the youngest among the children who came up here a few moments ago, to the oldest among us. God gives all His people many opportunities to serve Him in many different capacities. Some opportunities might mean that you would be out in front of the congregation, would have a public and prominent role, some opportunities might be the behind the scenes where nobody knows that you are serving. And just like with Elisha, God doesn't ask our permission or whether we are willing. He calls us and He expects us to serve. We see a need and He expects that we would do whatever we are able to meet that need. Think of Jesus' parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16. And the punchline of that parable is where Jesus says, the one who is faithful with very little is also faithful with much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Whether your service is considered as very little or whether it is considered as much. The question is, are you serving your Lord faithfully? Nothing when it's done for our God is, is unimportant or insignificant. Jesus taught the same truth in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. He said, again, uh, the punchline of the the parable, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your Master. Since this is an ordination service for the office of deacon, I was reminded of Philip the Evangelist as I was thinking about these parables. Being uh, faithful over little and then being uh, given the opportunity to also be faithful over much. 
You know, when we first met Philip in Acts chapter chapter 6, it was said of him that he was full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and so he was given the important job of waiting on tables. Remember that from Acts chapter 6? And Philip did that faithfully. So God decided that Philip, in his capacity as a deacon, would also preach the gospel. Because what had happened at the end of Acts chapter 7 was a great persecution broke out against the church. Paul was going from town to town, uh, breathing out threats against the the saints. Paul, before he was an apostle, he was a persecutor of the church. And as this persecution broke out, the Christians in Jerusalem and Judea were scattered off to... um, up to Antioch, up to to other places, even to other countries. And so Philip was among those who were scattered. Listen to Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And then we know also about God using Philip to lead the Ethiopian uh, to Christ. And we could go on. Now I have said many times before, Deacons are not relegated to only swinging hammers and developing budgets. Far from it. Lou, be faithful as a deacon in whatever other ways that God has called you to serve. And by the way, Christian Education Committee, um, David, you're the chair, right? Um, or I guess it's not Christian Education Committee, it's the Christian Discipleship Ministries or our denominations changing the names of all our permanent committees and they expect us to follow suit. And So I can't remember the name of our own committees anymore. But anyway, um, Lou has a gift for teaching adults. He has done so quite well in other congregations. So let him get his feet wet as a deacon But then don't be shy about speaking to him about teaching in Sunday school or in some other form. So, uh, being a deacon doesn't just mean that you're limited to swinging a hammer or developing budgets. Far from it. You know, the point of this sermon is to encourage us to make sure that we don't miss opportunities. So, or miss God's opportunities, I should say. So as we prepare to conclude the sermon, I want to point out five things that Elisha did when God called him. So first of all, be faithful in the little things. If you're going to make sure that you you don't miss any of the opportunities God puts before you, make sure that you are faithful in the little things. I assure you, Elisha was not picked out of the blue to be Elijah's uh, successor. Also, King David, 
He was seeking God as a young boy, as a young shepherd, before he was anointed to be the future king. Likewise, Elisha was trusting God and had probably distinguished himself among the company of the prophets in Israel. I was not suddenly ordained as a minister of the gospel out of the blue. God called me to be a minister of the gospel a full nine years before I was ordained. Every day prior, and I, without exaggeration, every day prior to my ordination, I did things intentionally to prepare me for the ministry. In fact, when uh, Mandy and I were considering changing our relationship from friendship into um, something that would culminate in marriage, I sat uh, down with her and I asked her if she'd be willing to be a pastor's wife uh, before I would ask her to marry me. If she had said, no, I am not willing, we would not have been able to have gotten married. Um, thankfully, she was very willing, and I am very thankful. But the point is, I was faithful in the little things. I was faithful in my trust in God. I was faithful in my preparation for the ministry. I was faithful in my obedience to the Lord. Be faithful in the little things that God has given you to do. Young people, you may not be out in front of the congregation doing the quote-unquote big things. But young people, be faithful in obeying your parents now. Be faithful in serving your brothers and sisters because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful in whatever ways you can serve. Be faithful in little things. And then you will be prepared and ready for the bigger opportunities that God sends your way. Secondly, be zealous in your pursuit of God and His kingdom. Elisha was willing to leave his family, it appears, without saying goodbye if necessary. He was certainly willing to leave his family. But it just strikes me here in verses 19 and 20 that it sounds like he might have been willing to leave and just follow Elijah if Elijah had not given him permission to go back and say goodbye to his family. Verse 19 and 20. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelve. Elijah passed passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and mother, and and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he seemed like he was ready to go. Or more to the point of Elisha's zeal, Look at verse 21. Verse 21, And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now I've got one small gripe with the English Standard Version at this point. The original Hebrew makes it clear that Elisha not only killed the oxen, but he also burned the plows as well. Uh, the NIV is better at this point. In only that verse. <laughs> uh, so listen to the NIV. So Elisha left him and went back. 
He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. My point is, Elisha was so committed to serving his Lord, so zealous for his God, that he did not second-guess his decision. He did not look back. He burned the plows and killed the oxen. There was no going back. You know, full-time missionaries will typically sell their house and have a big estate sale when they go on the mission field. They make a radical break with everything that might make it easier for them to turn back. So zealously pursue your calling. Third, rejoice in God's work. Elisha threw a party. He cooked the oxen and fed all his friends. He was so delighted that he had been called in God's service. Leaving all behind was a joyful occasion for Elisha because God's work was refreshing to him. Is God's work refreshing to you? Doing God's work will likely weigh upon you. It will certainly wear you out because it is not easy. But at the same time, it is refreshing and a great joy. Fourthly, be a servant. Look at the last phrase of verse 21. It says, And then he, Elisha, rose and went after Elijah and assisted him, literally ministered to him, served him. In other words, be a servant. Your service for God is not about you. The opportunities that God gives you, it will bring you a lot of joy, a lot of fulfillment, but it's not about you. Be a servant. Elisha was called to succeed Elijah. You know, what a prominent role to succeed Elijah. But we don't see any hint of Elisha becoming full of himself. Rather, he is eager as he has been given the cloak that signifies him succeeding Elijah. His service is in serving Elijah. Isn't that the, the attitude that all Christian leaders should have? Remember Jesus in Matthew 20? He said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and give His life as a ransom for many. So let me ask you, how are you at serving others? That is a priority in the Christian life, being a servant, especially if you would aspire to leadership. Fifthly and lastly, recognize that God is the one who gives you the grace to be faithful in these opportunities. Elisha had already been given his call well before he received the call. God had already told Elijah, go and find Elisha and make him your successor. 
before Elisha had any knowledge of it. Even though this is the first time in the Bible that we hear of Elisha's name, it is clear that God had prepared him for this calling through many opportunities to be faithful to God. Lou, God has called you already. God has called you and He has prepared you for this calling. He has gifted you. In fact, you've already been recognized now in three different congregations as being a leader in God's church. God has has well prepared you. Ephesians 4 says that Christ has given you as a gift to His church. Everything you could possibly need to serve Him is found in Him. And that goes for all of us. In His death and in His resurrection, He has given you new life in Him. In His death and in His resurrection, He is giving you His Spirit of wisdom and revelation to help you know just how much He loves you. In His death and His resurrection, Christ has equipped you in every way to serve Him. In His death and His resurrection, He is prepared in advance even, according to Ephesians 2 verse 10, all the good works that you will do in His name. He's already prepared those good works in advance. So your service for Christ as a deacon, or for any of us, our service for Christ is by and through His grace alone. That's a good thing. Because I know from my own experience that you will not only stumble many times as you serve Christ in His church. Now, I've not only fallen on my face on a football field, but Christ is always gracious to forgive and to continue to use me uh, for His kingdom and for His glory. And He will also do likewise for you. Let's pray together. Father, As we have looked at the life of Elisha, son of Shaphat, we ask that You would help us to be as faithful as he was through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be as willing, as zealous, as eager. Through our Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.